the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, if Walt has a grave, he's spinning in it. First movie I remember seeing was uh, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, starring Kirk Douglas. I was in the first grade. That's a long time ago. It was a Walt Disney movie back in the early days of Walt Disney movies. Uh, but boy, have things changed. Actors in Disney movies have won lots of awards, and we're kind of carrying on that tradition today. And now, it's time for The Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. Yeah, uh, uh, for a while now, Disney's been doing a really bad job of uh, remaking movies. The live-action version of Snow White is coming up. Uh, coming to a theater near you in 2024. Not sure exactly when, but it's coming up next year. Here's the woman who plays Snow White. Her name is Rachel Zegler. She's making sure that this is going to be another box office flop. I mean, you know, the, the original cartoon came out in 1937, and very evidently so. <laughs> um, there is a big focus on her love story um, with a guy who literally stalks her. <laughs> Weird. Weird. Super weird. So we didn't do that this time. So no no prince or a different kind of prince? We have a different approach to what I'm sure a lot of people will assume is a love story just because, like, we cast a guy in the movie, Andrew Burnap. Great dude. Um, It's uh, it's one of those things that I think everyone's going to have their assumptions about what it's actually going to be. But uh, it's really not about the love story at all, which is really, really wonderful. And whether or not she finds love along the way is anybody's guess until 2024. all of Andrew's scenes could get cut. Who knows? It's Hollywood, baby. Yeah, yeah, it's Hollywood, baby, where Prince Charming can become a stalker now. I'm going to take a wild guess and say that the prince in the remake of Snow White is either gay or transgender, or maybe both. Um, I was going to say that Walt Disney is spinning in his grave right now, but I'm pretty sure he was frozen when he died, probably hoping to come back to life. And if it works out for him and he does come back to see what's being done to his movies now, he'll never stop throwing up. Of course, he can take some consolation in knowing that the new Snow White, Rachel Zegler, is this week's winner of the AM1250, the answer, Jerk of the Week Award. And when we come back, California is coming up with new ways to control how their citizens use their cars, or maybe better said, don't use their cars. And an energy expert from the Heritage Foundation will tell you why it's another stupid California idea that needs needs to be nipped in the bud. And in our second half hour, an expert on health care fraud is going to tell you how easy it is for your health care system to be hacked and what might happen to all the people who work for Allegheny County after Allegheny County's personnel files were hacked. Stick around. Well, you know, most of these stupid things in our lives seem to get their start in California, and too often it's the government of California, unfortunately. Almost all liberal Democrats are to blame there. That may be the case with something called bi-directional charging. 
Uh, uh, Diana Furchgott-Roth is the director of the Center for Energy, Climate, and Environment at the Heritage Foundation, and she joins us now. Uh, thanks for coming on again, uh, Diana. We appreciate it. Great to be with you. So uh, what exactly is bidirectional charging, and why is it a bad idea that we should all hope goes away? So everybody knows that if you have an EV and you plug it into the wall, it charges up. Well, in California, they want to make it so that when you have an EV, you plug it into the wall and the energy goes out of your EV and goes into your home or to the electricity grid to power your home. And it sounds crazy, but that is California's solution to their blackouts. State Senator uh, Nancy Skinner says that cars are just mini generators on wheels and they should be used in order to solve blackout problems. Some of us say, well, if California has blackout problems, they shouldn't require all new cars sold to be electric (laughs) by 2035. Yeah. But California sees it a different way, that they are bringing mini generators into people's homes. So if I I drive my car to work and back and and I happen to get home and I see that my battery's a little low for the next day, how does the government tell me that I've got to take what batter, what juice I have left and send it back to the grid? So they might issue a voluntary request or they might have a blackout to your home and then you have the choice of being blacked out or powering your home from your vehicle. So this might give Pacific Gas and Electric, the utility company, uh, an out when they have blackouts. They can say, well, John can just charge it up from his F-150. All he has to do is plug it into the wall. Blackouts are not a problem. So blackouts become less of a problem as people get used to using their vehicles as mini-generators. So if if I've just uh, returned from a a 250-mile trip, and uh, my my F-150 is on empty and needs to be charged, I'm going to be forced with the choice of having a car to drive to work tomorrow or lights tonight, you know, for the rest of the night? Yeah, or neither. <laughs> it could be that if there's the black cut, you can't charge your vehicle and you can't have lights to your home. This is what happens when a state gives up on producing reliable energy and wants to rely on electric vehicles for mini-generators instead. And who thinks this is a good idea besides the senator who introduced it? Is this something that's, is this something this that's is out the, there that the people entire, are talking about? The, the entire Senate, the California Senate, passed this bill. They passed. Three committees in the California National Assembly passed this bill. Last September, Governor Newsom said this is the answer to California's power problem. Well, uh, who do and they want to, by the way, they want to require that as of 2030, every vehicle sold in the state has bi-directional capability. Right now, there's the Hyundai uh, Ionic, there's the Ford F-150 Lightning, there's the Nissan Leaf. They have that, but they want to make sure every vehicle does. So if every vehicle does that's sold in California, automakers are going to have to make them for the whole country. Because they don't make special cars just for California. It's too much trouble. So that adds to the cost of the car for the person buying the car. 
It does, and it also might encourage other states to do the same. States like Illinois that are thinking about more renewables, because we know that renewables are not as reliable as fossil fuels, because sometimes the wind doesn't blow and the sun doesn't shine. So you've got to have backups. <laughs> so this is this is just it's be- crazy. It's crazy, but it's crazy. It's, it's, crazy. Beyond belief. it's crazy if some mad scientist is running around out in California saying this is a good idea. <laughs> But the, you, well, it's not the just Senate passed it. It's the, entire, it's the entire California Senate, three committees out of the California National Assembly, and their governor. Doesn't anybody push back on this and say, and, and hit them with some logic and say, well, you know, uh, this, this doesn't John, seem can like- I tell you? Can I tell you that when I pushed back by writing a column for Forbes on this, which was published two days ago, mm-hmm. Forbes took it down. Forbes said this is advocacy. And you didn't get a response from Pacific Gas and Electric, so we're taking down your column. They took down my Forbes column, pushing back on it. There are big forces that are pushing against me. So then I had an expanded column in the Daily Signal today, contrasting Texas and California, because fortunately I have other outlets where I can write. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's so much pushback against logic like mine that they actually take down my, my Forbes column. They don't want Forbes readers to be able to read it. Well, to make sure as many people as possible are, list, are reading your column, where can people find out at the Daily Signal? Yeah, dailysignal.com. Okay. Diana Furch got rough. Okay. It's also going to be posted on my uh, personal website, dianafr.com, where I, there's a lot of other things I've written too. But this is absolutely crazy, and we need to stand up against it. It's fine if someone wants to buy a vehicle by choice, like buy an F-150 Lightning yeah. because it has this capability. Mm-hmm but not to force everyone to do it. Well, what would be the good reason for wanting your car to have that ability? How often do, uh, well, does it come up that you want to use it? Pardon me? Well, I mean, say you wanted to go camping, and yeah. you might want to use the electric battery from your F-150 to power, say, lights at your campsite. Okay. Or you might want to, say, jumpstart another car, and you might want that extra ability. Jumpstart another electric car that, that whose battery dies. Yeah, for example. I mean, there might be, you, m- you might have some job where you might require extra electrical power that you might want to carry around, just the way people charge their phones off their normal battery. Someone, uh, so some people might want that option. Someone in my family just told me the story last night of a person, I think, it's, I think it was a, pers- a guy he knows. He, he, he was driving from Winnipeg to Chicago, and he had an electric car, and... He went to charge it, and there was a two-hour wait. Uh, to, to, it was going to co- it was going to take him two hours to charge his car, and he ran into a couple other issues. The guy drove his electric car that he owns to the rental car, uh, you know, place, the Hertz or Avis or somebody, parked it there, and rented a car to take the rest of the trip. This is what's going on. That's with really the- funny. <laughs> this is what's going on with electric cars. It's really funny. Um, so I'm trying to imagine adding all of this, this um, bi-directional charging and, and being forced, because it would be forced in some way, uh, being forced to send your car's juice back to the grid. Um, I'm trying to imagine adding that to what already exists when you're trying to deal with the Department of Motor Vehicles here in Pennsylvania or any other state. How does that not create a bureaucratic nightmare? When, when, when you have this go, somebody's going to have to be in charge of all this. Exactly. And the way that they're, they're making 
people be in charge is just by mandating that all the cats have it, then things will no doubt follow from there. But there should be uh, a requirement that a state can produce enough reliable electricity, whether it's from renewables or fossil fuels, from its citizens. And what California is doing right now is it can't produce enough from renewables, so it goes outside the state and gets it from Nevada and maybe Arizona. Uh, so they say they're all green, but really they're getting fossil fuel energy from other states. And Illinois is planning to go the, the renewable route, too. But Pennsylvania has wonderful resources with the Marcellus Shale. So mm-hmm. Pennsylvania is in good shape. Yeah. Um, but and I, I guess this sure seems like uh, one more really good reason not to buy an electric vehicle until they until that's, I guess, the only vehicle left to buy. Exactly, exactly. And we all got to make sure that, well, Toyota says it's going to go on selling every kind of car that people want to buy. So there is Toyota. Mm-hmm. There's, still gonna, there's always going to be Toyota. Well, the market's going to uh, dictate that, isn't it? At some point, they, they can put whatever year they want on it. They can say 2032 or 2035 or 2085, whatever they want to put on it. People can still vote with their feet and just vote with their money and say, no, I'll keep my gas-powered car until it can't move anymore before I get an electric car. I'm not paying that money. At some point, it's going to have to come down to the market, isn't it? The government is never going to be able to force it completely. Uh, I hope not, although some of us who wanted to continue to buy incandescent light bulbs are finding (laughs) that we can no longer buy them. Yeah. So there are some, or, or dishwashers that use a lot of water. Some of those just go off the market. But we have to hope there's enough pushback because electric vehicles are more expensive. They're inconvenient. They take too long to charge. The government's in charge of where the charging stations are. So they might put more in Democrat states than Republican, for example. They don't work in cold climates, which is why Wyoming only has 500 registered EVs. Uh, and plus, we haven't talked about how they give dominance to China. China makes the electric batteries now. Mm-hmm. If we don't use our own gasoline, but we use China's electric batteries, China's economy gets stronger and ours gets weaker. Yeah, I, this is it's, it's and we're talking to Diana Furchgott Roth. Uh, she's the director uh, of the Center for Energy, Climate, and Environment at the Heritage Foundation. You can find her piece about this insane idea in California at uh, thedailysignal.com. Um, so you you mentioned the dishwashers and all the other stuff. You also have a story up at heritage.com about Joe Biden coming after our appliances. So, so uh, let's start with dishwashers. The Department of Energy has different regulations regarding dishwashers uh, that will try and cut the amount of water that is used to wash these dishes. Uh, so people would have a dishwasher that's more expensive and less efficient at washing. They also have rules about natural gas stoves. They want to get rid of natural gas stoves or make them so expensive you can't buy them. Also, water heaters. So the Department of Energy is trying to regulate all these appliances while uh, the Department of Transportation and the Environmental Protection Agency are trying to regulate your car. So they're going after a whole range of appliances. But I was told that I was being paranoid when I said they're coming from my gas stove. Uh, You were, but they really are. And that regulation is uh, on the Department of Energy website. They are considering it now with comments 
people have put in. So no, sometimes the paranoid are right. <laughs> sometimes you have to be paranoid to stay ahead. Yeah, you're not paranoid if somebody really is coming be- coming up behind you. You know, if, if, you're being realistic. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, what could be added to this? Um, if uh, Joe Biden, if he hasn't, I don't think he's officially declared it yet. Has he an official climate crisis, or has he already done that? Uh, he has not already done it. So, what happens when he does to all this? Uh, it might give him more power to do some of these things, just the way that um, creating a crisis with the pandemic gave him extra powers to do things. Mm-hmm. And and so it's all about control, and it's um, and and it, and it would be nice if somebody ran this by Congress, wouldn't it? Rather than have the president the, the just send out a decree that I can't use my dishwasher or drive a gas-powered car anymore? Yeah, the reason that it's not proposed in Congress is because Congress would never vote for it. And that's why the president is trying to go around Congress, by having these individual agencies do it. And these agencies have been turned down in court before. So when the Environmental Protection Agency tried to regulate power and uh, they tried to regulate uh, damp patches in people's land, saying they were waters of the United States, and people couldn't build on them. Uh, The Supreme Court stepped in and said, no, uh, EPA is going too far. They did it in West Virginia versus EPA and also Sackett versus EPA. And how can all this be stopped, Diana, other than just voting voting these people out? Yeah, we we have to vote them out, and we have to stand up loud and clear and say, no, we're not going to get pushed around with these appliances and cars that we want to buy. We need freedom of choice, and we don't want to be turning over uh, um, our automotive and transportation needs to China. But do you have to believe in a climate crisis in order to not want uh, – uh, in order to um – to uh, want an electric car, does everybody have to be converted to that? Or are there people out there maybe who just don't believe in this climate hysteria, but they like electric cars? Or are they ever, are they ever I guess what I'm trying to say is, are they ever going to be able to sell electric cars without using the climate hysteria to promote them? Well, there are some people who love electric cars. About 6% of new yeah. vehicle sales right now are electric. And I'm all in favor of people who want electric cars to be able to buy electric mm-hmm. cars. But I think people should have freedom of choice and be able to buy what vehicle they want. And with the new industrial policy mandates, they're paying producers to make the electric cars by subsidizing the factories. By the way, laying off a lot of auto workers in the process. And then they're paying consumers to buy them by giving them a $7,500 tax credit. So there's something wrong with this picture. I mean, uh, they never paid uh, for these auto companies to make gasoline-powered vehicles, and they didn't pay me to buy them, but they're still about $15 million a year sold, 12 to $15 million a year. Sold. Well, I, I guess what I'm saying is that this is so obviously stupid, all of it, that the only way it would make sense is if we don't go along with it, the planet is doomed. That's the only way you can sell it. All of it. But even if we got rid of all fossil fuels in the United States, it would only make a difference of two-tenths of one degree centigrade by the year 2100. This is making no difference in terms of global temperatures because China, Russia, India, Africa, Latin America, they are all producing more, uh, more 
emissions from fossil fuels. So well, they want to get up to our standards of living and they don't have clean natural gas and they don't have nuclear. Well, I, if, I, if I were back in my 30s or 40s and I had the money, I'd go out and buy like maybe 10 gas-powered cars and put them in a garage somewhere just to save them for when the insanity hits. Um, but um, I'm not. I'm old, so I'm going to be gone by the time this insanity takes hold. Thanks for coming on the show, Diane. I appreciate it. It's great to be with you. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Okay, that's Diana Furchcott Roth. And you can find her at thedailysignal.com. Well, maybe you remember a story a little while ago about Allegheny County's personnel files being hacked. Uh, Maybe you didn't think much about it. It is a big deal, though, for a lot of reasons. Um, Jeff Leston is CEO of Castlestone Advisors. That's a company that finds and uh, tries to prevent health care fraud. He joins us now. Jeff, thanks for coming on the show. John, good to be with you. So uh, why is um, Allegheny County's computers being hacked a big deal? Why why is it a big deal to everybody? Well, it's a big deal for everybody. Uh, We spend $5 trillion a year on health care in this country, and estimates are that anywhere between 7 to 10% of that is fraudulent. So uh, that's 350 to $500 billion a year nationwide. And the reason the hack is, a, is an issue or a problem, once uh, the bad guys have that insurance number, it's like the golden ticket. They can use that uh, to submit claims and nobody will be the wiser and those claims will get paid. So, those, so um, somebody gets my health insurance information and then calls a crooked doctor and says, hey, how about uh, charging me... $10,000 for, uh, I don't know, what's a knee replacement cost? Something, some kind of a major medical expense. And the doctor goes along with it, and this guy gets a check? Well, the the doctor would get the check and probably give you some of the proceeds of I that. I see, okay. Uh, but, you know, the money leaves the system, and it, and it's gone. That's correct. And so who has all that data and what are they going to do with it? I mean, where does who's holding on to all this data right now? Uh, legitimately, or no, no, or who, which the, bad? the bad guys. Who are these bad guys? Well, uh, a lot of it right now, recently, has been caused by Russians. The Russians have hacked a lot of healthcare institutions across the country. They found a flaw in a piece of software called Move It, which was used to transfer files. And uh, they have been going after healthcare institutions hammer and tong for the last couple of weeks. Every day I post something about another hospital that got its data hacked. So this, so everybody understands here, the, the data being hacked, it's, um, they take that data and now they have that and they can use it for all kinds of things, including extortion, right? That is correct. They're getting... Well, there's two things that are pretty dangerous about it. One is obviously false claims, and then you start getting bills from doctors who you never saw. The other is it's dangerous for your health. Uh, you know, if somebody uses your identity to go to a doctor and they prescribe a medicine that you're allergic to, the next time you go to a doctor, that uh, you know, somebody writes you that prescription again, that could be life-threatening. But if, if the, from the extortion angle... Uh, let's say I, I hack a, a good-sized company's personnel files and I get all their health insurance uh, information. 
I can call them yep. up and say, listen, I got all your stuff. Uh, how much would you like to pay me to get it back or for me to Hap- you know, do whatever I got to do to destroy it? every day, it. and uh, it's called ransomware. So they, uh, you know, they, they either steal it or encrypt it so it can't be used. And particular hospitals, there, there have been a number of hospitals across the country recently who have basically been ground to a halt because their files have been hacked and frozen and they've had to pay a lot of ransom. And a lot of that doesn't get in the press. Why not? Why do you suppose it doesn't? Just people don't understand the, um, the, the size of the problem? and the scope of it and how many people are affected by it? Well, uh, on the fraud side, there's a couple of reasons, but I think I know very well people don't understand the scope of it. I was at a conference in Chicago last week of healthcare benefit advisor. These are the people that tell uh, corporations how to design their health plans. And I asked somebody, I said, how many uh, Americans do you think had their health identity hacked or stolen in the last two years? And they said, I don't know, 40, 50,000. The real number, John, is 104 million. Wow. So they don't understand the scope of the problem, and they don't understand the, the financial aspects of it. Um, depending upon who you talk to, Experian and Senator Kennedy did an analysis that those each identity hacked is worth somewhere between two hundred and fifty and a thousand dollars on the underground market because they're so easy to turn into cash. And IBM said it costs an individual thirteen thousand dollars of their own time and money to try and get things sorted out after their healthcare identity's been hacked. So it's a huge problem. Uh, a lot of people don't realize it yet. So if I have my health, I find out that my information has been hacked. What do I have to do, and why does it cost me $13,000 to fix it? Well, uh, a lot of it, I, I don't know the details of that estimate. I can get back to yeah. you on that. But a lot of it is, you, you know, you're getting bills, and then you're getting uh, collection agencies uh, hounding you for medical services that you never received. And, and you have sometimes you have to pay attorney's fees or, you know, uh, there's a lot of cost involved in, in just trying to get your credit uh, and your health identity restored. And then there's no guarantee that your health records are accurate after that. So that this all means uh, we're talking to Jeff Leston of uh, he's the CEO of Castlestone Advisors, a company that deals with uh, finding and fixing uh, health care fraud. Um, as I mentioned a minute ago. This seems to uh, require a lot of crooked doctors to make this work for the bad guys. This doesn't work if you don't have doctors willing to to uh, submit fake procedures. Well, that's half of it. But just uh, if I can give you a, a quick statistic in yeah. western Pennsylvania, Highmark publishes a press release or so every year. And, of course, you know, they're the dominant uh, insurance company in western Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. They claim they either recover or uh, prevent a billion dollars of health insurance fraud every year. So it is real, and it happens in the Pittsburgh area quite a lot. But you're right, John. A lot of it has to do with crooked doctors. But in some cases, it's even the doctor's identity that gets stolen. Anytime you require, well, there's a lot of medical services that require doctor's authorization, like you can't get physical therapy or a lab test or an MRI without a a doctor's 
say so. But their identities are stolen too. All the all the bad guy does. If you're a crooked supplier, uh, if I wanted to say Dr. Steigerwald authorized this, I would just put your provider number, which is a national provider number. It looks like a credit card number, 16 digits, and I put that on the claim. Now I probably have it already because uh, I do business with you. So. The computers and the health insurance company say, well, yep, okay, Dr. Steigerwall, we know him, pay the claim. And meanwhile, your identity has been used, and then the auditors come months later and say, Dr. Steigerwall, why, <laughs> why are you ordering all these power wheelchairs? And you look at the list and you say, I never saw any of these people. It happens every day, and in fact, I just saw a case like that this morning. So uh, the case you saw this morning, was, a, was it a power wheelchair? Uh, it's yes, it falls under the heading of durable medical equipment, which is you know power wheelchairs and power beds and scooters and all the heavy expensive stuff that uh, typically in that case it's mostly Medicare because a lot of it's for elderly people, uh, and you have one guy supposedly authorizing the claim and another guy actually supposed to be shipping the power wheelchair or the power bed or the oxygen. Um, and so you reached out uh, to Allegheny County after seeing that their uh, personnel files were hacked, and you offered to help them protect the people who are working there, uh, correct? Tell me what happened there and what their response was. Well, um, I sent a letter to the county executive's office. I think his name is Rich Fitzgerald. Right, yep. And... Uh, I called and I got a uh, response back by email from a public relations person uh, with an interesting response. And the response was, uh, Jeff, we have insurance that covers this. Thanks. We don't need your services. Yeah, here it is exactly. You sent it to me. Uh, we appreciate the offer, but we have insurance for matters such as these. And counsel who are directing our process and response, we do not need uh, any of other any other parties at this time. So I want to tell people a little bit about what your response was to the county. You said, thank you for your response. Here is what you can expect. So I, should uh, uh, county employees be listening to what I'm about to say here? <laughs> Cause, cause, uh, very closely, yes. Okay, so it says, thank you for your response. Here is what you can expect. The county will soon be the subject of multiple lawsuits from class action attorneys. I can probably name them for you. Two, your counsel will charge the county to settle this matter for anywhere between five hundred dollars to $25,000 per identity breached. I track these cases. Three, employees will have to spend $13,000 each to resolve false claims on their health insurance, according to IBM. And these are all the people who work for Allegheny County who had their personnel files hacked. And the last thing here, even after a settlement, county employees, their families and health plans sponsored by the county and its unions, will see fraudulent claims, calls for co-payments, and other fees they know nothing about. That is because no action is being taken to protect them. So what is it, Jeff, that your company does that the, that um, would fix this? Uh, well, um, in the health care system runs on trust, John. Mm-hmm. When a a doctor submits a claim, we're, we're trusting that the person was there. And I keep a database of, of claims where that didn't happen, and it's up to $21 billion right now. That's just your, the ones said, you've tracked. The ones I've tracked that yeah. I can find in the media. Mm-hmm. 
$21 billion worth, about 1,250 claims over a couple of year period. Um, and the reason is because there's no verification that uh, if I go to Dr. Steigerwald, there's no verification that I was ever in that office when the claim says they were. Well, what I did, my background is I came out of the financial industry, and anybody who's ever had a credit card and has received that call, uh, Mr. Leston, this is your bank calling. Your card's being used in Nome, Alaska. Uh, that's the technology that we use to build our services on, because as soon as you read a card in the credit card system, uh, your processor, which my company is, knows where you are in under one second. So when the claim comes in, we develop the algorithm to match what we get from the payment networks. Uh, and by the way, this is not a credit card. It's just an ID card that runs over the credit card network. So we use the power of the networks so we can give the county or the city or whomever the same power that the banks have to stop fraud. That's what we do. And they said no thanks. At the county. They said no thanks. Can you imagine something that they're doing that would be equal to what you're offering? Uh, I don't know anybody else, uh, and believe me, I look and I talk to people every day. There's nobody else who is doing what we're doing to prevent fraud and identity theft. So you're, you're tell, you told the county, here's more of what you wrote, in plain terms, the county will pull the ripcord on their insurance policy and a doubling of liability rates will follow. Most importantly, the employees and their families are being hung out to dry by the county because there is no protection. LifeLock, et cetera, at all, I should say, uh, can't do what we do against their health insurance being misused. They can expect bills for claims they never incurred, potential threats to their health, and the county is doing everything it can to cover this up. Is that what you're saying? They're covering it up. Well, they're... They're not going to admit to anybody that uh, there's potential identity theft. I'm sure that's the advice of their lawyers. John, I, I read all the cases about this every day, and uh, the responses, you can tell the lawyers wrote the response, because when there's a hack, uh, they write in their, uh, in their press release, we don't have any evidence of misuse of these identities. Well, they wouldn't know it if there was, so, you know. <laughs> So they're really trying to limit their liabilities. They're probably trying to limit, uh, you know, class action lawsuits. But I guarantee you that they will come because there's a couple of law firms out there. And as I said, I know who they are, who will be probably filing suit against the county pretty soon. And uh, the reason they don't want to do that, there was just a settlement. There was a hospital group in the Chicago area that just settled a breach for twelve and a half million dollars. So. You know, if, if they can keep this quiet and not have as much damage, the, the hope is that it'll blow away, but they're doing that at the expense of the employees and their families. So this is something that the, this should be a pretty big story here in Allegheny County, you think? The media should be on this? They should be, absolutely. Now, what about people who are going to accuse you of just trying to get some business? And that's why you're doing this. Well, I am trying to get business, but I'm trying to say the business I'm in is trying to protect yeah. individuals and health plans that, uh, you know, uh, I'd be happy to discuss details of that or yeah. the amount of fraud that's out there and, uh, uh, you know, all the problems there. They can Google my name and see articles I wrote in 2017. One's called Beware of the uh, Coming Healthcare ID Fraud Crisis. So, 
You know, Jeff Leston, I, I feel like right? the, uh, L-E-S-T-O-N, and Google that, and, and what, what should they Google with that? Well, just Google my name, and uh, one of the things that they'll see is an article uh, I wrote in 2017, which says, beware of the looming healthcare ID fraud crisis, which is exactly what we're seeing now. So I have about 30, a little bit less than a minute left here. If, if you, uh, I got real quick here. Anybody who's listening right now who works for Allegheny County is affected by this because mm-hmm. all the personnel, uh, was all the personnel information hacked? As much as I know it was. Every single person who works for Allegheny County could be affected by this. They could be. You know, again, they're not, the county obviously isn't releasing details of it, yeah. but, uh, I'm sure the health information has been compromised, as they say. Well, Jeff, uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, I'm I'm out of time. What's your website? www.castlestone, like a king in his castle, dash llc.com. Hey, Jeff, thanks a lot. We'll talk again. I appreciate it. Thank you, John. Have a good weekend. You too. We'll be back. So how do you think uh, President Robert L. Peters has been doing lately? (laughs) You know who that is? That's Joe Biden. Yeah, uh, it was reported yesterday that the House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer, uh, they asked the National Archives to release any unredacted records of then-Vice President Biden using a pseudonym, and uh, they came up with uh, a bunch of stuff. Uh, It includes aliases that apparently... Joe has been using. Um, Comer's request covers records using Biden's other known pseudonyms, Robin Ware, W-A-R-E, J-R-B Ware, W-A-R-E, that's uh, Joseph Robin Biden would be J-R-B, and he makes pointed requests for certain documents, such as drafts of Biden's December 2015 speech to Ukraine's parliament, uh, Joe Biden has stated there was an absolute wall between his family's foreign business schemes and his duties as vice president, but evidence reveals that access was wide open for his family's influence peddling. So that's uh, that's what's going on now recently with um, Joe Biden. But then, of course, you wouldn't know that if you didn't watch Fox or maybe Newsmax, because as of the writing of this piece this morning, uh, ABC, CBS, NBC, CNN, and MSNBC. You know how much they had on any of their shows about this? Zero. Nothing. Hasn't been mentioned. And as I say here many times, where would we be without Fox and or Newsmax? A lot of people are upset with Fox right now, and I think justifiably so. But just imagine if these groups, this, these people, were left to their, uh, left by themselves to cover all the news and would just continue to ignore stories like this, nobody would know this was going on. But that's what's going on this week. I'm done. Thanks to Mike. Thanks to Darren. Thanks to you. See you Monday. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.